Well, good morning. Good to see you at our 9 o'clock service. And Eric, that line in that song says, uh, it's not a place we won't go, not a step that he won't know where we're going. So I appreciate that this morning. And, and uh, hopefully you've uh, stepped into the right place this morning and God is with you. And hopefully he has something for you this morning. We definitely want to ask him for his help. And good to have Matt back in his spot. Yeah, he's been gone for a little bit, playing other places. And so, but it's good to have him back in his spot this morning. So Ephesians chapter number 6, Ephesians chapter number 6, we have been in a (coughs) series on conquering the war in our minds, and we have had, there's five parts to it. The first part that we had was the situation that we are in a spiritual warfare. However, in that situation, we had a mission The mission was the living a life that glorifies God. Thirdly, we had an execution to that mission. How do we carry it out? And then today, we have the administration and the logistics of conquering or trying to conquer this battle that we have in our minds. And that's just simply, how do we work the plan that God has given us? Now, let me say this before we get started. Just impressed upon my mind this morning that the plan of God is for you to be saved. Amen? That's the plan of God. And if you're here this morning and you don't know who he is, man, it would be a good day. That's his plan. That is his plan. That's what he wants. So we're talking about spiritual warfare this morning. And and some of these things, if you're lost, if it just doesn't make sense, don't worry. God can reveal that to you. And he can realize and say, you know, I'm I'm lost and I need him. So we're going to talk, talk about that this morning. Let's read our passage, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. And uh, we'll get started here. So verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And here we have, you can almost, I like football, I like to watch it. You almost have this, like this motivational speaker coming in. And, and of course, the, the big name lately has been Deion Sanders. And he's coming in. He's, he's giving the troops kind of what they're going to do. What, what's the plan? We've been given direct instructions. Look at verse number 11. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins guarded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness your feet shod, literally taken under, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And verse number 18, praying always <coughs> with prayer and, and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So our battle plan is before us. We've been given our, our, our pep talk But sometimes in this battle plan, what happens is we underestimate the enemy, and we get derailed. We we are not maybe given correct information. We're not using the right weapon in our battle, and then we're back at that spot again where we don't know what to do. It's fear and confusion. If you look at the definition of just simply the word logistics, this is the definition, the detailed coordination 
of a complex operation involving many people, facilities, or supplies. That's the definition of logistics. So I thought about a time when maybe a plan that you had maybe didn't get to work out just like you thought it would. Believe it or not, we're only about six weeks away for some of you, one of the best days that you, you just absolutely, you can't wait for it to be there. It's the, the shopper's dream, I guess. It's called Black Friday. And uh, yeah, there's moans and groans. And some of you are like, there's no way I would do it. Some of you are like, it's, it's my dream. I mean, I look forward to it. Be honest. How many of you have ever done the camping out? Any hands? All right. I hope you got a few of you. Okay. So we got some, we got some people in here that are hardcore. Get some of these numbers. Get some of these numbers. Last year, nearly 123 million people visited brick-and-mortar stores in the U.S. over Black Friday. Over 130 million people visited online stores for the weekend. Unbelievable. Black Friday online sales totaled a record of $9.12 billion in 2022. You were part of it. I was a part of it. The peak time for purchasing on Black Friday in the U.S. were from midnight. There's where you guys are camping out. All right, you're watching that last deal, so you can click it, and 2 p.m. during the day. So you've waited at Old Navy for that shirt that you're going to get for $7.99. I mean, you're holding out for it. you got to go get it. <clears throat> I feel like those of us in the room here that have lived long enough, we've had a, we got a, a Black Friday story. Uh, I remember several years ago, this of course was, was pre, pre-COVID, um, Elizabeth, she was, you know how it used to be, Thursday used to be the day after you got done with Thanksgiving, you're looking for the sales. Remember, you gather all the papers, and so Elizabeth was on me, she's on me every year, let's go, let's go. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to go. I have no desire to do this whatsoever. <laughs> and so I gave in, I gave in. And so we went, we got up that morning, and here was the plan. I don't remember what she was supposed to get. I, I think it may be some type of hair of something. I can't remember. I was, I, I, that's, that sounds good. Just go with it. I was supposed to get a video game, all right? I was supposed to get a video game. So the plan was, you go get the hair curler thing. I'm going to get the video game, all right? So you know how they do in stores. They rearrange the stores so they can put these items in the rows. Or they put... Video, this one, video games were back like in the meat section. I was like, what in the world? So here I am. You try to go early. You try to get there. And here you are. You're standing in line. And then it happens. And this is why I did not want to go. I did not want to see this. I saw two grown men fight over a video game. And I said, Matt, get out of there. So, <laughs> no, no. Two grown men fighting over a video game. I didn't get the video game. I left and I told her, I said, I will never go. I'd rather pay 10, 20 more dollars for whatever it is than sit in a line and watch adult people fight over these things. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. We had a plan. Hers, I can't remember if she got it or not. But one thing, as we read about in 
Ephesians 6, as we're talking about the wiles of the devil, one thing that we underestimate sometimes is what the crowd is going to do when we get out there and we Black Friday shop. And this morning, I want to talk about the crowd a little bit. I want to talk about the crowd that can get in our mind. The crowd that's out there. Who, who do we find in our crowd? Who, who's in the crowd? Sometimes we find the crowd of the thoughts of failure in our mind. Sometimes in the crowd you look out there and we get pushed around and they're holding the door back on us, so to speak, and we get tripped up and you find the, 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 in the crowd you find the possibility of throwing in the towel and quitting. You find guilt in the crowd. Sometimes you'll say, man, I just can't do it. I'm, unfaithfulness begins to build in your life. And, and the crowd overtakes you. And as the crowd gets in your mind, we don't know what to do. You'll see there in verse number 11, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. In verse number 11, it ends with this, the wiles of the devil. That means schemes and tricks. The crowd gets in your mind, and he'll start to trick you. He'll start to scheme you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you have to fight against the crowd. The crowd wants you to forget about the plan. They want, they want you to forget about working the plan that God has laid out for us. Know this, Euphola. The devil is going to play tricks on your mind, and he wants you to get off track. That's his goal this morning. That is, that's his plan. Before we get into our sermon this morning, let's pray for God's wisdom. Let's ask him to help us and get our mind where it even needs to be this morning. And there may be somebody that says, man, I'm off track a little bit. What do I need to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, even as I'm standing up here this morning, dear God, I know that, <coughs> Lord, you have a plan for each of our lives you have a plan for teenagers. You have a plan for young adults. You have a plan for those middle-aged and seniors. God, each of us have a plan that we need to literally get on track with. And sometimes it's hard. We get derailed. It's hard to work that plan. The, the logistics turn into a, a nightmare for us. And we need to remember that you are in control of everything that we do. I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, give us your grace and mercy. I ask for it, Lord. Your name we do pray. Amen. So as the crowd's pushing us and as they're shoving us around, I think there's some things that the crowd, they want you to forget. And the first thing I think that the crowd wants you to forget is this. Number one, they want you to forget the challenge of the adversary. Number one, they want you to get, the crowd wants you to forget the challenge of the adversary. They want you to think that the war that you're in, that the plan that you got off, that it's just, it's just not that bad. And what happens to us when we forget about the challenge and we don't, you know, get there to fight, what happens is our relationship with God begins to be affected. The challenge is too great, and the relationship with God begins to wonder a little bit. And if we don't stay on track, and if we don't stay on task, and we don't work the plan... We fall away. Here's some verses. James 4, verse 8 says this. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Psalms 145.18 says, The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Your relationship with God is something that you need to literally work on. I say every day, but I feel like it's even more than that sometimes. I feel like it's a struggle. It can be a struggle every day. And I could kind of compare it to this, and I, I think I'll be safe to do this, okay? I'm afraid sometimes that we treat God like we do our spouses sometimes. Now, I'm going to tread lightly here. My wife's in the room, okay? Yours is too, husbands and wives. But here's the deal. Man, I've been married for going on 25 years that's a that's a good number and you go back and you you know that that love and it was exciting and new shouldn't we try to keep it that way even though it's tough to do sometimes you remember this oh I, I know you do let's go back 25 years and we didn't have these but you know what I'm talking about oh you could not you watch this phone are they going to call? Are they going to call? And all you wanted to do was hear them. Breathe. Are you there? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. In this little whispers. All right. You, you, you remember that? All right. And some of you guys, they called it puppy love. Mm -mm. Some of you guys were bloodhounds. Straight up bloodhounds. You were on the track. You couldn't. You couldn't. And, and you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on Elizabeth, and so I don't know if your parents know this or not. You're in the room this morning. I can't help it, okay? She, used to, she, she could not call me when we were dating. Maybe your parents, I don't know if they know this or not now, if they ever did. Well, they will now. They'll know now. She used to, do, she used to call me and say, call me back. Click. <laughs> That's what she used to do. So, hey, how you doing? Her dad would answer, hey, how you doing? Good, good, how are you? Can I, can I, talk, can I talk to Elizabeth? Okay. Like we, you remember those days? Remember those days when I used to be there? Remember flowers? You'd bring home flowers. Now you're like, they're just going to die anyway. Why do I need to buy flowers? And I think sometimes when we've been saved for a number of years, salvation can kind of, I don't mean it this way, but kind of gets old but we need to remember it's new and it's exciting we need to work on the relationship some of have been saved for less than five years and you watch these new Christians coming in and then some it's been 50 years but the love of Christ is still just as exciting as it was then as 50 years later someone said this do what you did in the beginning of relationship and there won't be an end it's a pretty good thought do what you would do in the beginning of a relationship, and there won't be an end. So how do we work the plan? How do we not forget about the challenge of the adversary? There's just some do's, and some do's in here this morning. I've got what we don't need to forget, the challenge, what it affects, the relationship with God. So what is our plan in this? Well, I think this. Commit to longevity. Commit to the longevity of of the relationship literally you have to take action in the relationship you have to be the one passive Christianity will not work you have to take action now how do I know this 
look at the action that happens in the passage. Look at verse number 11, put on. Another one, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12, we wrestle. What are we wrestling against? Principalities, powers, rules of darkness. Verse 13, taken to you the whole armor. Verse 13, that you may be able to withstand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Verse 15, your feet shod. Literally, they're bound under you. Number, verse 16, quenching all the fiery darts, of the, literally extinguishing those darts. You have to commit to, to the longevity of the relationship. You cannot live a passive Christian life and expect your relationship to sustain itself. It will not. The tendency of things is to go down. You have to fight against that. I found this quote and it said this, We must wage war on passivity and inaction. Christianity without action is dead. We have to commit to the long haul. Someone said this, Know your strengths, know your struggles. And when you do that, multiply the strengths and diminish the struggles. That's the only way you can do this. First Timothy 6, 12 says this, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you that are also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Commit to the longevity of the relationship. What about number two? What about number two? There's a challenge of the adversary, but number two, man, we have the choice of armaments. We have a great number of things that we can use in our plan in this battle. Don't forget that. What do we have? Well, we've read some. We have the armor of God. We have truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Pretty much all, all of it's covered, right? But there's one that I want you to maybe you think, well, what about this? I didn't think this would be an armament. Probably the biggest one that you'll, that you'll have to put on. Look at verse number 18. What's the first word? Praying. And probably, no doubt, the hardest one that we'll ever try to accomplish. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto you with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Sometimes when we get lost in the crowd, we forget that prayer can be our best weapon. The enemy wants you to see, or how it affects you is this, the realness of prayer. Does it, does it really work? Me spending time and agonizing over a lost loved one that you've prayed for for years and years, does it really work? <clears throat> I found the story of a missionary. His name was John Hyde. Matter of fact, his, his title was Praying John Hyde. He was born in Illinois in 1865. He was a son of a Presbyterian minister. At 27 years old, he went to India to preach. As he was partially deaf, he had a, he had a hard time with the native language there. And this was his mission as he went into the area. Try to get a few converts and literally endure the persecution that was going to come. He was there one year, 365 days. No converts. None. 
Now look, if the microwave don't get done in 15 seconds, we're getting antsy. We're getting kind of jumpy. You go into a place that's new to you and you have no conversions for one year. It disturbed him. And the reason that he got his name praying John Hyde is because of this. He went into prayer to find the reason. It says he spent days and nights in prayer, but then an awakening happened in India. Finally, after eight years, Indian Christians and Western missionaries gathered for what we would know of as a meeting in what today is known as Pakistan. Many were saved. Matter of fact, he died at 47 years old, and it said this. It said during these meetings that you wouldn't see him, that he would be out of sight with other men, travailing and praying for the meetings and praying for people. It said that at 47 years old, he entered into the sufferings of Christ, that he died of his intense life of intercession without food or sleep. Prayer is one of the greatest armaments when it comes to spiritual warfare. And I'm afraid, I'm talking about me, that I forget sometimes that getting on my knees is the best thing that I could ever do. And we forget that. We want to take up the shield. It looks cooler. We want to put on the helmet. No. Go in a closet somewhere. Get on your knees and pray. It's labor intensive. It'll be a struggle. It's hard to do. What's the plan? Commit to consistency. Commit to consistency. When you talk about the aspect of prayer, there's different elements of prayer. You've got intercessory prayer. You've got petitional prayer. You've got supplication, prayers of supplication. You've got spiritual warfare. What is intercession? That's praying for others, and we should do that. There's petitional prayer. That's asking God for something. That's the one that we like, right? God, I need this. God, I need this. We're, we're, we're pretty good at that one. There's supplicational prayer. And that's praying on someone's behalf. You're helping them because they can't. They're in a situation. You're praying on their behalf. Lord, intervene in their life. There's prayer in spiritual warfare when literally you feel like you are getting attacked by the enemy and you stop and you say, Lord, I need you now. Now. The last one is interesting. It's wrestling in prayer. It's mentioned in our passage for we wrestle not against something but against other things. Wrestling is a passionate prayer. Eric sang about hope, but sometimes it feels like in the crowd that the no hope rises its head, doesn't it? And we get lost in that, like, Lord, what do I do? I don't have any more hope. You begin to wrestle in prayer. It's passion to it. And I put this, and I don't, and I don't know, there's a lot in the room. I put, find a time, a place, an hour, a car ride, keep your eyes open, a car ride. A time during the day, it's a little slow time. First Thessalonians 5.17 says this, you know it, pray without what? 
all the time. When's a good time? Anytime. When someone says, can you pray for me? Go ahead right there. Go ahead right there. I'll forget, and you'll forget. Go ahead right there and do it. A favorite passage of praying John Hyde was Mark 9, 25 through 29, and it said this. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto them, Thou dumb and the deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. The spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many as he said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he arose, came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? Look at verse number 29. And he said unto them, This kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And a lot of times I find myself running on the fuel of me rather than the fuel of him. That's where we get sometimes. Our fuel runs out. We must be a people of prayer to fight against those crowds that's going to push against us. There's been a challenge of the adversary. You've got a choice of armaments. The last one today we'll look at is this. There's a call of the administrator. Now the title, I just put logistics, but it's admin and logistics. There's an administrator. Someone's got to get this ball rolling. Look at verse number 10 in your passage. <coughs> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have the ability here. We have the, the motivational speaker, so to say, that says, get, you've got strength, you've got power. So what's your plan? What's your call? This is our call today. How can we conquer this battle in a logistical way? You follow the Baptist church, there is a call to be responsible to faithfulness. There's a responsibility to faithfulness. In the four years before the pandemic, 2016 to 2019, there was only an average of 34% of U.S. adults that say they had attended church, a synagogue, or a mosque or temple in the past seven days. 34%. From 2020 to present, that number has been only about 30%. That's a lot of people not attending church. It says that the recent church attendance levels from 2012 to now have dropped almost 10 percentage points. That's a terrible testimony in a nation that calls itself a Christian nation. And that's where we're at this morning. How or what is the plan for the call up the administrator and the realness of prayer, you need and I need to commit to community. Commit to community. With everything that's in you, you commit to being in your place. And I thought about some things that were true about church attendance this morning, all right? Believe it or not, someone, when you open those doors every week, is looking for you 
to be in your spot. Now look, we're Baptists. We know where you sit. You're in the same spot every week. And when someone comes in and they don't see you, now you may be sick. We get it. But it's been two or three weeks. Where are they at? You need to be here. You need to be in your spot. They know when you're missing. They're, they're looking for you. They're watching you during the service. When you get blessed, they get blessed. I'm just telling you, that's the way, that's the way life from here to here, it works all the time. You always have eyes watching you. You just don't have to be a teacher to do that, no. If you call yourself a Christian, you're being watched. I'm just telling you. They watch you to be in your place. You are a part of their lives, and you may not even know it. But your faithfulness is huge to them, and they need you to be here. You have committed to community, and they are waiting and watching to commit to community. If they'll do it, I'll do it. You need to be here. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. I don't think I forgot to give this one. But it says this, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. And he says this in verse number 25 of Hebrews 10. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see that they are approaching. Are you going to be a church statistic? It's a question to think about. Well, I'm going to try. No. Decide in your mind, I'm not going to be one. You're going to commit to what you need to do. As we close this morning, I went back two months ago or watched a, a, a video, a sermon, and Pastor Colin actually, actually preached it. And you may remember it. It's back on August the 6th, so almost two months ago. And he got up here and he made a statement. And he said, you guys may not believe me, but he said this. I have never been more excited to be in church in all of my life. He got up here and he made that comment. And he said, you may not believe me, but, but it's true. So I went back and I watched that message. And it was called a Christ-centered community. Remember that one? And he gave three points that I thought it was great to end with today as we think about committing to what this plan, committing to our community. He said, if you're in a Christ-centered community, the first point was you're going to watch out for each other. That's what we've just been talking about. Are they here? Are they there? Are they faithful? He said, number two, in a Christ-centered community, you're going to exhort one another. You're going to uplift. You're going to help. Then he said this, and number three, <clears throat> in a Christ-centered community, you can have rest. You can have peace one with another. And that is some good things to remember as we know the challenges are out. The plan's going to be tough for us. I hope today that you've been encouraged and given something for you to think about on conquering the war in your mind. If you'll bow your heads, close your eyes there. I don't want you to forget the plan that God wants you to work. There is a challenge from the adversary. You've got to commit for the long haul. 
It's, it's a long, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. God's given us all the armaments and the equipment that we could use. You've got to commit to consistency. You've got to use those. And then lastly, you listen for that call of the heavenly administrator. He's the greatest motivator that you'll ever have. He wants you to commit to him and the community that you have around you. That's what he wants you to do. As Matt sings a verse this morning, you pray there at your